ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೌಬುನತ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯಂ ಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾಷಾವಹೈ ಓಂ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 so good morning good evening everyone and uh, today we are doing uh, chapter 4 from uh, from uh, atmabodha book um, uh, just a quick summary of chapter 3 uh, what we discussed last week and uh, you know i will try try to go um, from what what is there in the chapter 3 as well as what we discussed so we talked about the three aspects okay knower known and the process of knowing and these three aspects are independent for someone who is um who's let's say a spiritual practitioner but ultimately we we have to know that all three are are the same entity which is the consciousness and the example what's given is like like the sun it shines shines across that is one thing that we talked about uh the examples from chapter 3 which describes the uh, nature of the world um is uh, the world and the dream uh, mother of pearl and silver bubbles in water and golden ornaments i think um, maybe i just pick one which is golden ornaments it's uh, basically you know um, we see the ornaments with different shapes and sizes but the underlying material is the gold in the same way we see the entire world with different shapes sizes colors tastes smells and all that stuff but the underlying material is brahman that's the key thing and uh, similarly bubbles in water as well you know uh, when we where we see the bubbles or the waves uh, in the ocean small waves in the big waves small bubbles and big big, big bubbles we have to realize that everything is water and when we see that everything is water then we are seeing brahman that's the uh, understanding um the other thing is also about the uh, mother of pearl and silver where people mistake that there is this shiny object out on the beach as silver and we run towards it in the same way we uh, the nature of the world is exactly like that so we run towards the world which is external focused uh, uh, pravritti as what uh, we would call it uh, then uh, there was one thing which uh, uh, which i picked from the previous gd which we probably did not discuss but i thought maybe i'll quickly summarize in this context was the three desires that bind the human being to this world which uh, uh, which was written as kirti kanchana and kamini kirti is fame kanchana is wealth and uh, kamini is uh, desire for relationships okay um the other thing that we talked about i mean i'm i'm talking mostly about the examples because that's what we, we exactly discussed last week other thing we talked about is this example of this uh, soap nut powder or alum powder where you put it in some water and uh, the dust all settles down in the water and then you throw away the dust you you decant the water out and then you throw away the dust and also the alum alum powder it's like you know taking a thorn to remove a thorn from your feet and then throwing both the thorns away just because you used one thorn to remove the other thorn in your feet we don't have any attraction to holding the thorn that you that helped you to remove the thorn so um then we asked the question you know why do people react the way they do when they have a bad dream 
and uh, carry it forward and into the waking state. And there was a very interesting discussion and three things that I noted down is that uh, the first one is the identity of a person carries forward between the three states, living, dreaming, and, and deep sleep. So there is one single person who is experiencing all these three states. So there's a unity behind who is aggregating and comprehending all these experiences together. That's number one point what we discussed. And the second thing that we also discussed was these, these happen because of the vasanas that come in that 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 individual has these experiences happen and they you know because of the entity being carried forward they remember some of these things and uh, uh, the third thing that we discussed was that you know dreams happen out of ignorance that was another thing that we discussed and uh, the the fourth thing that we also talked about which i have not written it down here was that uh, only those dreams that are very strong with a deep impression is what we carry forward into, into this uh, waking world. But otherwise, most of the dreams end up, uh, you know, fizzling away because they are, they, they are not immaterial after, after the uh, dream world has been broken out and you've gotten out of it. Um, so then we also talked about what is the quote-unquote uh, substance or the material for the dreams. And the, we said that the vasanas of the waking world projects the dream. dream. And in dream, we don't create any new more, any more samskaras or vasanas, which is a pretty interesting point because, you know, unlike in the real world where we, uh, where our vasanas, when, when, we, uh, when we act on it, they can potentially create new vasanas in turn, but whereas in the dream world, we don't create. So in some sense, you know, if you start dreaming more, then, uh, the, you know, your vasanas are probably getting ex ex extinguished. If let's say that you are being... Uh, chased by a tiger in a dream and you are experiencing their pain, it's probably a good thing because uh, your vasanas are getting extinguished. Uh, there were three examples that was quoted from Mundaka Upanishad in terms of how to describe the, the world, which was very beautiful. I noted it down. One was uh, the spider example, where the spider is also known as the material cause and also the intelligent cause of the web that it spins. The material comes from itself. And the web is intelligent enough that there's a, there's a nice pattern to the web and that comes from the spider itself. So in the same way, the entire world is, uh, the, uh, the Brahman is a material and intelligent cause for the entire universe. That's just one thing that we talked about. The second thing is, how can one seem like many? And the example there uh, uh, that Krishna had shared was the Mother Earth, where the Mother Earth is the only thing that, that nourishes every, each one of us and all the plants, all the animals and everything but there are different shapes and sizes that we see today. The third one was how can uh, uh, a, a, be, uh, a living being can give rise to a non-living being? You know, if Brahman were living, how can it give, give rise to a non-living which we see? So the example there was given was nails, which is nails or hair, where nails or hair by themselves are not uh, sentient or uh, intelligent, but the person behind who is creating these nails or uh, hair is a sentient uh, creating being. So these are beautiful examples that was given from uh, Mundaka Upanishad. Um, then we also talked a little bit about do dreams convey something important? And, uh, um, you know, I don't know if we concluded that or not, but, uh, um, but, but the point is, you know, you know, just as the waking world is not as important as uh, what we think it is, the dream world is also irrelevant, actually. That's the reality of it. Um, then, uh, then I think we concluded uh, the GD last week when Muku said that, uh, you know, when we talked about, uh, I think there was a question from Lakshmi, if I remember right, and I think uh, 
uh, Muku mentioned something like empathy will be more powerful when we understand Advaita, which is uh, uh, not to. And Advaita means not to. It's not that there are two things and they become one. It's not that. It's just that there's no there's no two. So those are the few things that I noted down and uh, on to today's GD for chapter four, which talks about Upadis, which is the, uh, uh, the apparent uh, uh, bodies that we place on what the reality is. So with that, anyone, you can add what I missed last week and then we can kick off. Uh, we talked about, uh, Alpana actually mentioned that, uh, you know, it is possible that uh, great human beings can convey uh, through the medium of dreams to uh, mortals like us. And uh, when such, uh, uh, you know, when such transmission happens in the dream world, it is very vivid and we remember it distinctly uh, when that kind of uh, happens was another point that I really remember, Rajesh. That was well said, uh, Uday, you know, and uh, I think I mentioned this example about uh, Arjuna uh, getting the Pashpatasa and you're continuing on Mahabharata, right? Uh, I just read that now I'm at a stage where Krishna has just left his mortal body and uh, he, he, he transcends. Before that, he gets into the dream of Arjuna and tells him, you know, do these, these, these things, you know, go to Dwaraka, get all the women and communicate to Vasudeva and all that stuff and then Arjuna asks why and he says I'm just leaving now I'm done my work is done I'm going and uh, then he goes off then next day he comes then he realizes that the entire Yadava clan has been murdered and they murdered each other and they all died and Krishna also died All right, on to chapter four, Dupadis. And like always, anyone, please pick up the thread and we can discuss your aha movements and share. Looks like the chapter four is either totally virtually or fully clear to all of us. So just a parallel pointer, uh, if uh, anybody's interested about the space example, uh, that is how Manisha Panchakam begins. Uh, there is a very beautiful five-part, five-lecture series uh, by Swami Sarvapriyanandaji. He gave in uh, Southern California Center. And uh, do you, by, by the way, do you all know the story of Manisha Panchakam? Or I can give the quick two, three minute version. So uh, Sri Adi Shankaracharya is walking in Kashi. It's a very small street. And opposite to him comes a chandala. And he comes with a lot of dogs and he comes with the meat on his shoulders and all. And it's very uh, revolting sight. So Shankaracharya, in a moment of uh, 
whatever. I don't want to use any wrong term. So in a moment, he quickly says, gacha, gacha, please move away. So then the Chandala asks him, Annamaya Tannamayam Atava Chaitanya Chaitanyam. Are you asking your body to make my body move away? Or is your consciousness asking my consciousness to move away? And just to prove that he knows Shankaracharya's philosophy in and out, he quotes like the space that is there everywhere. Uh, is that any different just because it is in my home versus yours? And he also quotes about the water, the sky and the sun that is reflected in the Ganga water, as well as in the small pool of water in the Chantala Viti uh, in the street. Are those any different? And then instantly Shankaracharya realizes this is Lord Shiva coming to test him. Uh, so he composes this Panchakam, five verses. Manisha Panchakam, Manisha word means uh, conviction. This is my very strong conviction. So every uh, last line of the Panchakam uh, ends Chandolo Astu, Dvijo Astu, Guru Ritiesha Manisha Mama. If you have this, what is told in the previous three lines, if those lines are true, you can be a Chandala or you can be Dijaha. Dijaha means a Brahmana. You can be either one, but you are my Guru. This is my very strong conviction. And he goes to him. And in the four shlokas, first four shlokas, he explains some concepts. And each shloka is basically one Mahavakya at a time. Pragnanam Brahma, Ayam Atma Brahma, Aham Brahmasmi, Tattvamasi. And in the, in the fifth one, he concludes all of them, puts them together and then says, uh, this is the palam of the person who has realized all these four statements. So it's like entire Veda and typical Shankaracharya style puts the entire Upanishad's Veda in just this five verses, four of them being the Mahavakya explanation and one of them being the Palam. And then he uh, concludes. So while reading this, uh, I mean, of course, this is also Shankaracharya. So no wonder he's like reusing material, quoting himself again. Uh, but, but the beautiful uh, space and reflection example. Uh, definitely give that uh, uh, the listen by Swami Sarvapriyananda and he gives this Nice five lecture series, one for each and one as like an intro. Uh, it's, it's just too beautiful. Thought I would, I would mention. That's a good one, Tushan. Thank you. As I was reading these, uh, this uh, chapter, um, it reminded me, of course, of Tattva Bodha because in Tattva Bodha they have described it in more detail. But what is kind of interesting is that, uh, you know, 12, 13, 14 doesn't have an example really. So I was curious why they were missed out. It's, it's, it talks about the gross body, the subtle body, and the causal body. And maybe that, that itself is the example. But uh, but uh, yeah, kind of, you kind of miss the examples because all the other examples are wonderful. I thought there was an example mentioned, right? Like for the gross body, it was Goga Ayatanam, like a center which does transaction. And then uh, the other one was Boga Karanam, like the pen was given as an example. But I think it was yeah, very I mean, subtle example. Yeah, they so. were, they're, all, they're all explanations rather than examples. But that's, that's besides the point. I, I just think yeah, it's um, but I was kind of, uh, you know, this whole word Upadhi, uh, and again, this is from Swami P, uh, you know, he described, he, he actually defines Upadhi, uh, and, uh, he says there are three 
conditions that need to be met met for something to be an upadhi which in english apparently the word is adjunct which uh, i have no understanding of but the word upadhi said has three uh, three properties or conditions the first is it should be nearby it should be close enough to uh, the original the second is that it should transfer attributes right and the third he says is that it should appear to be the same but it is false so i was quite intrigued by those three uh, points he talks about upadhi and he explains that as far as the anatma is concerned it is obviously very close to the atma which is the original consciousness it appear it transfers attributes so what happens is that we think that anatma is atmaya whereas it's the other way around and uh, obviously it is it is an appearance which is false uh, so he, he kind of goes at length to explain the word upadhi which uh, i have to say i have not fully grasped but i think the point that he was making is that that the attributes of anatma which is our day to day uh, existence or or worldly existence is actually transferred to the atma and we think that we are therefore the anatma whereas we are actually the atma uh, kind of uh, sort of to be honest i'm not sort of fully clear about it but sort of made sense that it is really a transfer of attributes which makes us think that we are we are uh, anatma but but in reality we are we are all the original consciousness so i'm just preparing a presentation for uh, uh, for a talk that i've been invited uh, in this uh, you know tech conference next month and i use an i used an example from of course uh, from from the famous uh, i think it is uh, uh, either either the gita or or uh, one of the you know uh, swami gurupranandas or paramatmanandas lectures so where it says that uh, you know the transfer of attributes the way how it happens is that see there is something called intrinsic nature and something called um, borrowed nature okay and the example he uses there is a fireball you know when we use the word fireball you know imagine there is a there is a, a ball of fire okay now uh, in reality the the fire does not have any shape it takes on the shape of anything that it consumes okay so if you put an iron uh, let's say iron ball iron ball is in the shape of a ball and iron ball does not have the quality of fire right the heat and the the uh, the fire uh, the quality all those things that what the fire has iron ball does not have and uh, whereas the fire in inherently does not have the properties of the shape of a round shape now you take this uh, ball and you put it into fire and you take it out after some time what happens is it's like a fireball it's so it, the it, the shape will look as if it's like a fireball now what has happened is now when when a third person who looks at it okay he looks at it saying that oh there seems to be a fireball okay and so he transfers the property of fire onto the ball and the property of ball onto the fire but in reality these are two separate entities correct correct that that's a good example
And that, that's exactly, you know, in, 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 uh, uh, in fact, there's another, another shloka by, again, the same, uh, same old uh, Shankaracharya ji, where, you know, he talks about, you know, um, when you start analyzing this whole process, right, okay, uh, I, I don't remember the entire shloka, but it says that, you know, by what power do you see the objects that you see around the world? Then um, the answer is by the power of the sun, because there's no sun, during the daytime, you cannot see. Okay. When there is no sun, by what, what power do you see the objects of the world during the nighttime? Uh, the answer is uh, you see it through the power of the moon or the lights. Okay. When there is no light or no moon, by what power do you see? Right. Then you, you see it through the power of your own you know, internal eyes. Right. Because you know, if it's completely dark, if you want to go find an object, you kind of you know, navigate around your way and you know the direction and you go feel it. And then says, oh, does it mean, you know, you are not the sun, you are not the, uh, you are not the uh, light that shines on it, but you are that internal light that, that, in, that makes the sun and the moon and all those things, you know, you know available to you and you are able to um, eliminate all of them. Because without you eliminating all of them, the sun and the moon really does not matter. In fact, there's an interesting uh, example for the Upadhi, which is, uh, say, a blue cloth kept next to a crystal. So it transfers the blue color to the crystal, uh, which is an analogy for transfer of attributes. But the fact is that it is false. It is, uh, it is only an appearance, whereas the, the act, there actually there is no transfer of attributes. So, in a way, sort of, the crystal gets the upadhi of the blue cloth, uh, which is which is not. That's a nice example. I agree with you. That's that's a beautiful one. So interestingly, you know, uh, the. There's a, apparently there's a mythical bird called uh, Hamsa. And I don't even know whether Hamsa is a, a real bird or not. The swan, I don't even know whether it exists or not. But uh, all I heard is it's a mythical bird. And uh, the property, what I believe it has is that if you give it a bowl of milk, milk mixed with water, it will just drink only the milk and not the water, I believe. Okay. And that example is used, uh, you know, in the Ramakrishna symbol also, if you see Ramakrishna mission symbol, the Hamsa will be there. That example is used to tell 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 us saying that we need to dis discriminate between what is upadi and what is the real one, what is not real and what is real, and you got to be like a hamsa and get on to you know take on what is real and ignore the rest of the things. So one other thing that, that struck me when I was reading this thing was, uh, I think uh, Swami P talks about in one of his lectures about the space, right? Uh, so he says that, uh, you know, uh, space is it's unity. There's no difference between the space here or the space uh, 
in 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 india or any other place it's the same thing it, it's one continuum but the way that we break it is very interesting and he uses the example of uh, uh, an apartment uh, uh, block coming up okay he says initially there was just a let's say 100 100 by 100 square foot space you know vertical 100 by 100 square square foot space which has been demarcated at the bottom and then you say suddenly you know the contractor is starting putting uh, blocks and then he constructs construct the house then he constructs the four four uh, you know pillars and what what not and then suddenly the space has become separated between oh uh, the space which is surrounded by the four walls and the space outside of the four walls then uh, then he goes inside and he he puts in apartments in between then suddenly the space has become further sub- segregated saying that space inside apartment block 1 apartment block 2 apartment block 3 and then then again he goes and puts apartments in between and says space inside this apartment 1 in block 1 apartment 2 in block 2 then again he goes and puts rooms inside the homes and his space inside this room bedroom 1 of apartment 1 so the same space has become segregated multiple times right now and uh, uh, you know that's that's uh, that's a very very interesting example the way that he uh, he narrates so one one thing i uh, also aha moment for me was between the space air water uh, fire and earth uh, there are two components to that there is also a sukshma component of all these things what what we typically see as space water and air and fire are the physical one the stula one but there is also a sukshma one that that we cannot it's it's like in the theory it's like the isness of space the isness of water fire and air uh, that i did not know about like i thought it was the same thing that kind of formed into three different things uh, so yeah that that was new to me so my question uh, which i have had for a long time is that you know in in tatva bodha we read about this process of grossification right is a chart that i think rajesh you had circulated that uh, you know each of the five elements takes 50% of themselves and the, then a, like a eighth of everything else or yeah eighth of everything else and grossifies to become uh, the gross body so is there a similar subtleization at the subtle body state or is that like just pure five subtle elements uh good point i said at the subtle level right uh, sorry yeah i don't think i saw that split but just heard the concept that there is a subtle space subtle fire subtle air concept that then gives to the the gross uh, equivalent yeah so I, 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 i've never yeah correct yeah there is no subtle there is interesting in fact go ahead no no go ahead go ahead i was saying that there is no mixing in the subtle this thing in fact uh, it even takes away the so from the sattva part of the of each element the five um, uh, senses of perception are made from the rajas part of that the uh, actions the organs of actions are made and then the combined rajas makes the um, the pranas and then the combined sattva makes the antahakaran 
in fact a very interesting uh, thing that i read was so um, for anything say if we take eyes so eyes the 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 power to see anything comes from the sattva of fire and then what is to be seen that what the eyes see is actually just the reflection of light right so so that is also the coming from the fire element the root part which gives the light so so the the uh, the, the sense organ which sees it and the object of that sense they both come from the uh, from the same element and it is the sat part becomes the element or the object of perception and the chit part is actually the one which is knowing it the knower of that that object so so it said and then it generates anand so that that's how sat chit anand is combined in each of these uh, what we see and what eyes can see they cannot smell so so they can they only work on their own um, what do you call subtle element the nose can only smell they cannot see so each one of them they only work on that and they have come from both sat chit and anand is the is the is the feeling that it it creates it's only when my mind comes in it colors it and it we have likes or dislikes but otherwise everything should generate uh, an anand so it was very interesting how the satchidanand is combined for each individual senses and how then the mind overrides it sometimes and it's not anand anymore that was very interesting so krishna yes uh, you know the way that i have uh, understood the different ways that uh, you know different uh, uh, upanishad seems to describe the the world and the uh, uh, the five elements how they come up and all that and uh, the one that i recently listened to in uh, uh, vedanta sara you know uh, i think no sorry panchadashi maybe it's very it, it it talks about it like this so at 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 um at some state you know there is only brahman and then suddenly for whatever reason out of the desire of for the brahman or whatever you know uh, these three elements sattva rajas tamas they are they are they are created and initially they don't uh, uh, they don't combine the way that uh, uh, the uh, tatvapada describes their combination right and like alpana described you know the the subtle part of it the uh, what happens to the sattva part of it the pure sattva part of it and what happens to the pure rajas part of it and what happens to the tamas part of it so each one of them is dealt separately and then uh, the tamas part of it the tamas part of it is the one that finally evolves as the entire universe that we see with all the material objects and that's a pretty interesting way of how to put it but different different ones have different uh, ways of description but finally uh, you know there's no Uh, theory of evolution like a unified theory of evolution that is perfect uh, uh, as what they say right and it's it's just that how each one can pre- be presented differently 
because it really does not matter finally so they, they don't really care our Upanishads don't really care because it really doesn't matter that swami spg says yes if science is very evolved and they can explain everything you can take this out and plug whatever they come up with it wouldn't change vedanta a bit it's only but the, this process is explained you know the way rajesh was explaining is to when you have to go back that's one way by which uh, are if you want to go back then you can so you you dissolve the karya uh, into karan so you keep dissolving it so that's why it is described this way so you can do the reverse process to reach back to brahman so whatever science comes up with you need to just follow the reverse of it to go back to brahman eventually it is just the brahman and another thing that i've heard is that even though everywhere or wherever this process is described it's not that it takes a lot of time it all happens in you know in split second and everything comes exactly like a dream when it starts we don't start from the beginning that we are born and then everything else is happening right you you just come at some age this is how actually the universe comes that you know everything is created and then everything starts operating and maya which creates it also creates the relationships between them exactly like in our dream we start at a position and we just create the relationship so even if in the middle if a grandfather appears it's not that the grandfather is just born but we just assign an age to it and a relationship as well so that's how even this universe comes up you know in the middle so that's Beautiful. an interesting view yeah swami p adds to this thing uh, like we don't in in vedanta we don't have this theory of evolution creation and all these things because it always existed in potential form and it is all a circle that is why there is no beginning or end it just keeps on going in this circle the only way to get out of the circle is just realize that brahmanness and then you go underneath it all become the the, the main reason of it which i thought was just like too beautiful yes. oh and then the other uh, interesting thing was in one of his uh, uh, the messages that they put in the fb thing uh there apparently it says uh, that all this even even these things of oh this is the reason the world got created and the various avatars and evolution and all that it is only for the beginning students of vedanta to kind of have something to grasp on to and keep building reasons but once you once you go to the advanced stages of vedanta you don't need all those things all those things are still like you said it's just like only maya and everything is just like an illusion so so why do you keep analyzing like a dream in what color dress did they wear and what make is this thing it it just becomes as silly as that so that's the example he gives like saying oh it's everything is an illusion we just made up some stories to keep you interested to follow along to a particular point and then you suspend it and then just go to the the deeper illusion part and then removing the ignorance one which i thought was too beautiful yeah but just an aside right seven years back uh, you know in my teens i read i read a book it was in telugu one of udai ji in telugu the it was a book uh, by uh, one uh, atheist okay it's it's i'll tell it to you in telugu but i'll tell you the meaning of it, it says devalayam meeda bhoot bommal enduku that's the name of the book okay so why do people why do indian uh, temples have uh, uh, nude nude pictures on their uh, 
in on the temple you know this thing you know you know that many of the temples have the the depiction of nude nude men and women and you know in different forms and poses in some of the temples right so you know apparently you know the way that the temples are constructed is you know first of all um, at, at the at the eyesight level they they have those pictures that attract the people right and then when you go up a little bit above the esoteric concepts are explained you know from at a, at a sexual level it's explained first and then it goes up and then it explains at the next level and finally as a, as the gopuram goes up like this it explains the complete concept of uh, uh, brahman in that in that particular way so now this guy who wrote this book he actually positions it saying that the reason why it has been designed is that there are a lot of people who don't even get to this place to attract them it's 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 used as a ploy and then once you get inside over a period of time they get over that state and then get to the next state so uh, the question that i had right you know just to clear that one one part of the discussion so who who exactly which entity in us is exactly the one that is experiencing this world of subtle body and gross body sorry say that again rajesh you are on mute ajay i said which entity in us is experiencing this world the gross body is uh, you know when you say the experience there is the the, uh, the experiencer or the the consciousness but um everything else is the um is coming through the senses isn't it so the eye of the eye Gross body is like a counter um, where the transactions happen, and the subtle body is the instrument through which the experience happens. Yeah, yeah. But then the experiencer is different from both of that. Actually, there is no experiencer. It's just the instrument. Instruments just get ego is the experiencer, and ego just appropriates it. even yeah. <laughs> but then the awareness I, of something happening would it's is still different because you can there is a difference between the what is experienced and and the i that's you know that is the and that is experiencing it would you say that yeah yeah no so as as you rightly said the i of the i which is seeing it is an instrument and then ego just goes and puts itself on it and Alice. says i saw yeah yeah that uh, table uh, of uh, you know the rajas component in the table the rajas component the center uh, column that was very intriguing uh, like uh, for sight the rajas component was uh, legs right the limbs 
So yeah. I thought that was uh, that was pretty profound to kind of correlate uh, the Rajas components in that table. Uh, that was an aha moment for me. Yeah. But your question, Rajesh, I mean, in the text, uh, they use two words, the one that we are reading. Uh, they talk about the gross body as the bhoga ayatam, and then they use the word bhoga sadhanam. Yeah. So are you talking about bhoga sadhanam as the experiencer, or is it, that's an instrument, that's not the experiencer. The experience, it is experienced through the gross body, or sorry, by the gross body, through the subtle body, is how I'm thinking. Mm, no, it is the ego. Uh, that's what is mentioned in the initial part of the text, Ajay, that ego is what uh, goes through all these experiences. The ego is itself completely false, right? right? Uh, and uh, the like Alpana said, the gross body is the counter and the subtle body is the instrument. Got it. Got it. Thank you. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, the reason why I raised that question was when I was reading this uh, chapter, that was exactly what was coming to my mind. I said, was it not clear is how this whole thing has been done and who is the one who is experiencing it, right? And, and finally, I, I also came to the same conclusion saying that, you know, we seem to appropriate, somebody within us seems to appropriate that experience. And uh, we seem to create that, say that, oh, this is my experience. I did it or I want it or I like it, I don't like it. And when I, when I analyze using the framework of Vedanta, it is basically the Ahankara. That means there is some entity within us, the intelligent entity that has adapted itself to say that I am the body, I am the mind. And that entity is the one that is that claims that it is experiencing. And so the whole idea is to break that uh, Ahankara. And it's breaking the Ahankara is not a bad thing. You know, letting go of your Letting, letting go of your ego is not a bad thing at all because that's the only thing that matters finally in this space. Actually, that's Beautifully what said. said. Yeah. On that big chat group I had written and we do it all the time. It's not that, it's not that we have never experienced moving this identity. We do it all yeah. the time. We, um, I mean, I as this body, I as this mind, and then as we move out, I as this family, you know, I as this nation, I as earth, but whichever I we appropriate with, anything below it doesn't matter in the context of that I. It only matters what is outside of that, if you may will. So, and that's why I was giving example of bits. When you identify yourself as a Bitsian, you try to think how Bitsians are as a, against IITNs or other institutes, right? And the internal problems of bits are not um, apparent at that time. Only when we identify as a student or as a particular discipline or as a particular staff member, then we, so we have to go a level below to, to experience the problems within bits. But when you identify as bits, it is against other universities. So, so, so we do it all the time, unknowingly. So it is if, and that's where I was saying, if you can either identify with the whole universe as one, then there's nothing outside universe, right? So what will it compare with? What will it want? What will be the expectations? Nothing. Or you do it as none. So you can either go outwards or you, you can come inwards. If you identify with none, 
you need some attribute to compare or anything, right? So if you are none, there is no attribute. So there's no comparison available. What will you compare? What will the expectation be? Because the expectation need to be at that level. So none has expectation from none. So there is no expectation. So, you know, it works. It can work either ways. Only the identity needs to move. That's it. And to kind of tie it back to the, the main teaching is this ego is there because of the ignorance that we do not know that we are everything. Yeah. 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 And then so only knowledge can then dispel this ego. So uh, dispel this ignorance. Right. So your ego kind of gets dissolved into Brahman and you just realize that you are one. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Beautiful. Another another profound uh, statement in this, uh, in this chapter was around... Uh, that ignorance has no cause. Ignorance is causeless. But then there is an effect uh, uh, to ignorance and that is the desire. Right? So uh, I thought that was very profound that ignorance can be causeless. Right? We thought causeless was only the uh, Atman and uh, uh, you know the, the what, uh, yeah, so that was another uh, profound statement in this form. That's why it is beginningless. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, it's causeless. That's why it is beginningless too. <laughs> so, so is, e is ego a thought? Uh, yes, ego is a thought. So, so then if ego is a thought, then there must be somebody who is something beyond ego that is able to observe that thought. Ego is, uh, again, the vritti of that same antahakaran. Correct, right? So it's a vritti, and, and we are, which means um, that's also an experience in, in a way. It can be experienced. Uh, if you, there must be somebody, something else beyond ego that is able to experience ego, right? That's a witness, not an experiencer. Correct. So that witness then would Correct. be the final experiencer, isn't it? Mm, actually, that's reflected consciousness. So there is one right. beyond, beyond that also, yes. Right. So yeah, exactly. So the reflected consciousness through the body would then be the experiencer of our, our what we consider as our experience um, in the context of this gross body. Right. Yeah, it's just that... Uh, uh, the reflected consciousness itself doesn't have any instrument to experience. So that's why we call so it... That, that is the mind. That is the antakarma, right? Yeah. It, it <laughs> so that's why, to, yeah. yeah, that's why we just call it a witness. We can't call yes. it as an experience. Experiencing, right. you need the mind. Yeah, yeah. But it's, in, it's interesting, actually. Um, if, you, if you look at uh, the body, the cross body and the subtle body as being made of the five elements and everything around you, let's say wherever you're sitting right now, is also made of five elements, right? Uh, there is really no difference, except uh, the fact that our subtle body is able to reflect that consciousness, right? The the overall consciousness to create that reflected reflected consciousness. In it has that capability to do that. The subtle body in us is able to reflect, whereas the things around us, the the 
the chair you're sitting on, whatnot, that's not that subtle body doesn't have that capability, right? It doesn't have the property to reflect that consciousness, right? So that essentially then is the only difference between um, between the insentient things around you and and the sentient ones. So if you look at it from that angle, uh, at the uh, at the most subtle, as as you go more and more subtle. there is really no difference, right? Because you're also made of the same five elements. It's just in a different proportion. Just so happens that the subtle body is able to reflect consciousness and we are able to to experience things, right? So, um, yeah. And, you know, in meditation, when you are able to get, when you are able to see purely as that witness, I think it becomes very clear that it is awareness. Uh, it, It is that awareness and finally, everything else is actually um, uh, ephemeral. It, it just comes and goes, right? So who sees that awareness in meditation? That's the question. You know, well, the, at some point you hit a wall. There is, there is only witness. There is only the awareness. There is nothing, uh, um, uh, nothing can observe that, right? And that's why it's very hard to explain also. So, so Kishore, you beautifully described the hot problem of consciousness, uh, which is right. what like all the psychologists, philosophers are all struggling with because they just like dissolve the body into chemical components and 110 elements or so on. So it's yeah. just like all these things in various permutations put together. But how does this, this ego or ahamkara or awareness, consciousness in, their, in the English terms uh, come about? And then Swami Sarvapriyananda has a very nice twist. He says, we know why it is. It's all because of the Brahman. So we actually have the hot problem of matter. How did the matter come about that you all created and everything? So he makes a nice right. joke out of it, right? So, right. Yeah, but, <laughs> so, but deep question. It's a question for me. Uh, isn't ego and, uh, you know, isn't ego also subtle body, isn't it? Yeah, it's a it's a and it's so from the thought in the subtle in your mind, right? And finally, it comes down to that. Correct. I think. Correct. So it kind of maybe sits beyond, maybe more subtle of everything else. But then, where do you kind of go into this? So if you look at the sort of uh, koshas, and you know, the, I'm assuming like I think that's what you were yeah. saying, Kishore, that yes, ob- yes. intention objects are all gross. Right. And as you go up sort of the value chain with animals and humans, you kind of get more subtle. So the intellect is obviously less developed or poorly developed in animals more in humans. Um, but where does this whole Anandamaya Kosha come? You know, that, that's kind of one step beyond which we say it's Atma, right? Is that the same as the causal body or is that something else? Yeah, my understanding is that is the causal body. And, and, and then Atma, the reflected consciousness is beyond. It's obviously not that either, right? Which is the, because the koshas are still matter. So what is Anandamaya Kosha? I mean, is there a, I mean, I've never understood that. I've read a lot, but I never kind of, no one explains that in any. <laughs> so, I, wonder I have not I, understood it very well either. I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. Nobody no, no, really I, gets I, into it as Kishore, much. Ajay, we experience it every day. The deep in sleep, sleep right? I yeah. know, but I know it's an experience <laughs> that we each one of us go through it when there is no dreams or when we are not awake in, totally in deep sleep. Deep correct, sleep. correct. You know that is the Anandamaya Kosha where you know there's yeah. there's 
where the mind is still and the mind does not see any differences or between its between the world and between its own thoughts there is nothing yeah yeah that, that that's the extent to which um, i think it's explained um but yeah i mean maybe it's, there is nothing more to say about it ashish you raise yeah i i don't think uh, whether i understand it but uh, what i have heard uh, it's it's the ignorance eliminated by just consciousness so uh, there is no mind there yeah and that's that's the deep sleep state and when the mind comes in when you wake up then you start thinking that i dreamt a good dream or i dreamt a bad dream so mind right. comes as soon as you wake up right thank you ashish yeah. shanta you tried something body. can you can you talk sorry yeah rajesh so oh, shanta typed something but i'm not able to see what she typed so i was just wondering oh, sorry, can you talk shanta no i didn't want to interrupt others <laughs> that's why i just typed it swami aprajitananda gave the example that you need the thought to the good thought right then the then as you the bad thought needs to be replaced with good thought and then once you have the good thought you you experience it and then you don't need the thought at all you don't need that so the example he gave was uh, just an example of going to sleep first you have to think about i have to go i have to go to sleep and once you go to sleep you don't need to think about it. you have to go to sleep it's that simple that's how the example was given as ashish said the difference is but there the ignorance is there in actual realization that ignorance will not be there okay no, absolutely i think that's kind of uh, you know uh, if you look at all the three states you know the gross body you know will live for in, in this yuga at least will live for no more than 100 years or much much longer in the previous yugas uh, the subtle body kind of survives hundreds of millions of births uh, the causal body which is in the seed form apparently survives what is called pralayam where everything sort of dissolves into something i don't know what and uh, so you know the question to be asked was so when does you know this this whole sort of uh, you know all the three three sharirs you know they can continue to the end then the simple point was uh, that the causal body will go away only when you get that knowledge uh, so that was kind of yeah i mean it, it sounds simple but you know very profound way it's kind of, it, it takes place i think i'm still going back to so the pralayam what happened does the whole end or does that happen in pralayam i mean it, is it like sort of back to that single dot in the big bang or what happens there are different pralayas there is called anshik pralay in which um, you know so so there are different pralayas explained in puranas again so it's not a vedanta concept but it's more of a, so anshik pralay the the life gets wiped out and you know a new cabinet is formed so a new indra comes a new you know um, 
the whole cabinet of with indra comes and i think even the new saptarishi comes so 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 that's just the anshik pralaya and then there is a pralaya and then there is a so then the pralaya, other pralaya is when i think when brahma ji is one day finishes when he goes to sleep so that is thousand chaturyugi so that is pralaya then the maha pralaya is when even the brahma is changed so 100 years of brahma brahma gets moksha so a new brahma takes takes over so then there is a maha pralaya so that could be what you were saying about you know the big bang shrinking into singularity again but yeah i don't know exactly which one but yeah there are different levels of pralaya also anshik pralaya is more like noah's arch uh, uh, arc one where you know they tried to save one of each for us it was matsya avatar so that was an anshik pralaya sort of a thing and then you start from there unboxing yeah the question still the question still they have is you know uh, we say okay there is ignorance in deep sleep and all that all that stuff right who is experiencing that ignorance who what who is experiencing the desires that's the question that i'm trying to still ask i mean so rajesh is that our mind isn't that our mind that this whole thing is like how we think about it that's what i understood as it's yes, playing it's out right. in the mind i understood as subtle body i don't know yeah it's playing out in the mind which is part of the subtle body yeah mind or subtle body is is the, yeah. is the right thing but the point is what what but, inside that but what yeah. inside that that's what i'm asking but somebody is able to observe that those thoughts in the mind right um and and that that's that entity uh, can't call it the entity either um <laughs> um so it's it is beyond beyond matter and to me that is that pure awareness or consciousness right and that is able to that which is reflected in our subtle body is the is the final witness right and there is no going beyond that we hit a wall against i mean there is there's no more uh beyond that or is it the brahmananas it is i mean in a way uh in the sense that my understanding is that is the reflected brahman in our subtle body right no lakshmi it, hold that thought you just said or is it that brahman in us right that means you are saying that brahman is a different entity than than us is that what what you are indicating because this is exactly no 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 what i am saying is finally the brahman in us came live he's not a different entity it is it, it's the same entity but now um we are conscious in the sense that we ruled out the ignorance we had and then brahman came to the forefront and we are able to connect right so that's how we realize so who who ruled out that uh, ignorance that's the question i'm not i'm kind of you know prodding this wow. deliberately because uh, you know this is the one this is a, this is a very very confusing concept and we need to think about it a little so while the movie is being shot who's experiencing that movie
So, so that is a good example with. Uh, um, oh, sorry, Ajay. I'm going to say that I'm assuming the movie is being is is a creation or a creative sort of power, creative power of Brahman, right? That is that isn't that it's a it's a it's a it. Sorry. So, so what is the movie, right? I think the creation uh, of, the movie or, or, or the of the movie is the creative power of Brahman using Maya, right? It's the same kind of analogy, isn't it? Yeah, what I'm saying, nobody is experiencing it. <laughs> it is... Agreed. The experiencer and the experienced, both are creation within Maya. Right, exactly. It's actually the, the the small I, which is, I mean, we use the word experiencing, but in some ways it's a small I, which is imagining uh, the, uh, or, or he's kind of imagining because of what is called the Avarana Shakti, right? So in a way, sort of the world is a creation, which is, which is a kind of, it's a it's a falsehood. It's a, and and within that falsehood, the small eye is imagining and therefore seemingly experiencing, but actually it's, it's actually imagining, because you know he's unable. Or, you know that small eye is unable to lift that veil over that falsehood. So I I, I mean the way I think about it is that you know the experience itself is an imagined thing. But clearly, the experience, the witness, is obviously has got nothing to do with this. Witness is just sitting and watching silently, or whatever, witnessing. Right? It is neither experiencing neither Bhukta or whatever in Devanashatka, Right? So it's not the Karta, it's not the Bhukta, It's just, it's just, it's there. Right? And the rest of it is like a part of that imagine of that creation where you know a small eye is also created in the process of several small eyes, or millions of billions of them are created, and each of them is imagining. Which is, which we think is experience, but it is not. It is, it is an imagination. But, uh, it's not uh, the small eye who's imagining it, right? Yeah. This world. I would say is, it is the one that illumines it, right? In our in our minds, but it cannot be the one that's imagining it because right. uh, the small eye is also, uh, um, my understanding is the is the witness. Right, um, and if you really think about how the world comes into being, it's through the senses, and then um, the thoughts arise in the mind, right? But then, and obviously colored by uh, ego, colored by past memories, and other things. So the world as we see it, as everyone sees it, is different in that sense. Right? It's different for each one of us. The experiences um, that, that the thoughts that are created is different. But then. At some point, uh, so these thoughts are, is is the movie. I'm assuming that Alpana, you said, is the movie that's playing out. But then somebody is watching that movie. That's the witness. Uh, to me, that witness is the same as the reflected consciousness, and it, it is not doing anything. It is just witnessing it, right? But every, the movie itself is playing out in the field of mind, right? In the field of mind as thoughts, and those thoughts are perceptions emotions, 
memory, everything getting, I mean, the, the inputs are getting colored and obviously there's memory and uh, just thoughts or, or ideas and other things that are playing out in the field of the mind, right? And the witness is outside of that, just, uh, just observing it, which is awareness, pure awareness. There is nothing more to it. So uh, I don't know if my understanding was wrong, but I always felt the big eye, right? you guys are referring to the small eye, big eye within us is the experiencer of the three states, right? The waking state, the dream state, and the deep sleep state, right? The big eye is neither of those three, but yeah. I thought that is the one uh, you know, which experiences all of this. Of course, that is shielded by the ego and the ignorance and all of that, right? Uh, but mm -hmm. at the core of it, it is the big eye is what my understanding was all these correct. things. Correct, correct, yeah. But it doesn't experience the way we understand experiencing because from the waking state to dream state, we do not remember. So if it was the same guy experiencing all the three states, then that person should remember, right? If, if we are talking about experiencing the way we use experiencing, that mm. I ate food, but the three states have nothing in common. So okay. if somebody is experiencing it, it's not experiencing the content. And that's where I think I'm, I'm trying to differentiate between the word experience and witness none of the contents are shared between the three states. So it's True. not experiencing why should, That does not mean that there is no common experiencer, right? The fact that there is no transmission of material or thought between the three states does not necessarily mean that the experiencer is, uh, you know, the same across the three states. How do you preclude the experiencer from being the same just because there's no transmission of material or thought between the states. So what is it experiencing? Whatever we, whatever we go through during the dream state or whatever we go through during the deep sleep state, right? Uh, so, you know, you know that you have been through a deep sleep, right? You know that uh, you had a dream. Sometimes, you know, you remember what you dreamt about. I mean, the waking state, you know, every, uh, you know, whatever is happening around you, right? I, of course, I, I'm not, uh, I'm not, a, you know, uh, completely knowledgeable about this subject. But what I felt was that the core big I is the experiencer that is common across the, all the three states. The big I is neither of these three states or neither of these uh, five uh, uh, sheets, including the Anandamaya Kosha, but something beyond Anandamaya Kosha, which is within us, is that, right? That with a capital P. Right? So that, that was what, uh, you know, all the time when I was reading uh, the Tattva Bodha, that's what I assumed it to be. But uh, I may be wrong. Uh, I was just putting it out I, there. Yeah, I, I was also uh, thinking... Uh, same as what Alpna was saying, that there is a difference between witness and experiencer. Um, and I feel like 
when you experience something that there is some uh, element of emotion tied to it, that you feel something as part, like when you watch a movie, if you just watch it versus you actually get involved with the characters and you experience what they're going through. So that's how I'm differentiating between witness and experiencer. And that big I, I don't think experiences in that way. It's watching, it's witnessing what's going on, but it's not, you know, getting involved with what's going on. Yeah, I, I would agree with that statement. I would completely agree. Yes. That I think we're big trying to say the is, same thing. Uh, it's the yeah, limitation perhaps. of language to, to perhaps, perhaps. say. I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. we are saying the same thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, just to add, add, add to that, I mean, to your question, Rajesh, I mean, frankly, I think, you know, to put it simply, the big eye is only a witness. It is not an experience. That's my understanding. It's a witness. It kind of, it's beyond all the others, all the five sheets and all the three states. It's witness. It does nothing. Uh, it just, it just watches, right? And to your question, Rajesh, who is the experiencer? I mean, another way to think about it is that, you know, the subtle, sorry, the gross body, you know, experiences the, you know, if you get sort of hurt, it experiences the pain, right? The gross body, which is a lot of emotion. Uh, so a lot of, when I say uh, experiences pain, it experiences physical pain, right? The gross body, at the certain, sorry, the subtle body, I'm mixing it all up. The, the subtle body experiences emotional stress and pain, right? So there is an experience of that body, all imagined, of course. So, yeah, experience, I, 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 would, I would think, is at different stages, uh, diff, or different sort of parts of the uh, three states have different experiences, I would think. But the big eye, at least my understanding, is is just a witness. It has no experience. So, who is if you know? Uh, again, I'm I'm sorry. I'm pushing pushing the envelope a little bit here. So, if uh, you are experiencing at the body level, at the mind level, multiple different things, who is that? Who is the one that is uh, cross triangulating all of them and saying that these are my experiences? If it's not the big guy who is that was that was the ego, right? That, that, that is, is my ignorance. That is my that is my ego, right? Which is imagining that I'm, you know, because it is all imagined, the small eye is experiencing it, experiencing it in the form of either physical pain or, or emotional pain or whatever, uh, or experience. But it is certainly not the capital I it's my So if let now go back to the reverse problem, right? If Aham Brahmasmi is true, then what can you make of all these experiences that we talk about? What can we make of ego and all that? What does it mean? Does it mean that these none of them exist at all, but we still experience it? And who is that we that we experience it? It's Mithya. It's Mithya. And uh, so it's, it is, you know, who experiences Mithya is the false eye. It's not, not not the big eyes problem that the small eye has is 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 kind of experiencing that with here. I mean, <coughs> leave the big eye aside is how I think about it. Big eye has, has nothing to do with it. I mean, you know, okay. in Swami Sarbar, Priyananda has a has a wonderful quote that the I, I can't remember it. I'll I'll, I'll take it out. But you know, say something to the effect that 
the existence of the material world does, or the existence of Brahman does not negate the, the existence of Mithya or something to that effect. But at least in my head, I'm, at least what I've understood, sorry, is the big eye, you just leave it aside. Big eye has, is just a, just a witness. It has no experience. I like the way that you say it. it's not the big guy's problem that you experience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ashish, you raised your hand. Yeah, so uh, again, I, I, I would try to, uh, basically, I would be repeating what Kishore probably said earlier. Uh, so if we look at uh, any experience, it is actually the senses which uh, are perceiving. And uh, then... Everything is dumped into what is collectively called as the subtle body, the antakaran, inner instrument. And uh, what we call as manas or uh, the mind, that's the dumping ground of it. And then everything is uh, uh, tainted with uh, our likes and dislikes and past experiences, memories and and then this thing comes in that I like this, I don't like this. And then there is there is a uh, there is an intellect which basically takes the decision. Okay, I have to do this. I don't have to do this. And and I am doing this. So ego is there. Uh, there is somebody sitting there who is watching and. If you think deeply about it, this this witness or the watcher uh, has not changed as you have grown uh, in, yeah. in physical years. Uh, this person, if you call it a person, uh, is is the same since the time uh, you can remember your lifetime. Right. Uh, so your body is growing, and to put it. Uh, uh, like in, in words of uh, Swami Anubhavananda, like it's, it's a fact that first you grow vertically, then you grow horizontally, and then the diseases will come in. And, but there, there is something which is not changing. And uh, this, this is the witness. And uh, that, is, that is the chetna in us. And... Uh, uh, it is the same in all of us. It's it's not different. So I don't know whether it is the big eye or the small eye, but this is this is same in all of us as human beings, and it is same in all the animal beings and probably all the living things, including plants. So, Very well said. That's that's exactly what my, was my understanding also, Ashish. So yes, far, yeah. And that's why yeah. what I'm. The way that I struggled with this question was that you know, when I asked this question, who is experiencing, it is actually, you know, whichever way that we use you know, the limitation of language uh, accepted, it is the Brahman that is experiencing the entire world through all the living entities. It's just one person, the Brahman that is experiencing that whole thing. So your experience, my experience, uh, experience Rajesh, that, correction, correction, that is the witness. Brahman That's why I said it's a limitation right. of language. That's why I said it's a limitation correct, of language. Correct. I'm saying, you know, uh, that's why you create a construct called reflected consciousness or sure. ego or whatever you create that construct. But I'm saying at the end of the day, 
it is just there is only one person who is experiencing i'm using the word experiencing loosely here the entire thing whether it is at an individual uh, experience of the material world or at the individual experience of the dream world or the individual experience of the uh, deep sleep world or even the collective experience of 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 all of us okay it is just one person that is that is doing that is finally a repository of all what is whatever is happening this sakshi so yeah. i am saying you know that we are no different than the brahman there is no repository yeah. because the gyan is also one yeah 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 there is no repository either it's a limitation of language just of just a, so yeah yeah साक्षी that's fine it's witness i would not use the word experience i would say there is only one person who is imagining it all the word experience just contradicts with uh with the character of she right so i i would refrain from using the word uh, just just for my own person sort of standing at some level but yeah, i think that's how it is no i like it the way that you explain it so um ashish uh, that was very good explanation and that's exactly how i um um understand it as well and and the fact that uh, as you mentioned as you know there is something that has remained constant in us and we can exp- we kind of know that right there's something that's um remain constant throughout whether you know when we grew um in our uh, earlier age and now and so on so that is proof in in many ways that there is something that's different uh, from the physical body right i mean at at a, at one level it is there and then as you meditate i think you I, you know and if you are able to stay as the witness as the sakshi baba right or as the sakshi i think becomes clear um in in that sense meditation is helpful because it gives you that additional perspective yes we are reading about it but then when you are able to just be as that awareness even for a split second a um, few milliseconds i think uh, in my opinion it it it, uh, it brings the uh, theory and the practice together in some ways so um, i don't know what others think about it but it um, if you are able if you continue to eliminate and just be as the witness of whatever is happening in your mind and at some point you realize and then turn around and see I, who's the who's the um, well? I'll use the word person who is actually seeing that, right? And when you are able to stay as that person, then you you realize that uh, everything else is just ephemeral. It's just going on in as as if you're you're the audience of the movie, um, and the movie is playing out in your mind, right? So, yeah. I'm, I'm, maybe i'm not making it uh, very clear but then i i, I just feel that uh, the experience of meditation in meditation i think you can see that um when you are the sakshi and you are able to 
uh, and it's a phenomenal experience just to see uh, purely as the awareness and there is nothing else. No, I, I would want someone else to answer if Kishore had a question about meditation because yeah, I, I, I cannot answer that if there was a question there. No, I no, no. I'm just saying, I'm just saying uh, no, Ashish, it wasn't a question. It was more around in meditation, you can actually uh, be just the witness. At, uh, and uh, I, uh, uh, my point was, it is worth, uh, what do you say, tying the practice and, and the theory together to see for ourselves that what that is. Yeah, what, what uh, I wanted to say, like, if you think about that uh, person or being which is sitting inside, which hasn't changed. Uh, and I have a question here. Um, you also, uh, it it's, might be happening with me also. Me, me only, not with uh, everyone. You, you see that you, you came with certain tendencies. Uh, and there, there were some innate things which are there from the time you remember. Uh, so I, I don't know what is that. So that, that that's kind of a question. For so are, are those the vasanas or uh, what, like, things you came programmed with? Or, or that, is it something totally different? It is not uh, that inner uh, chetna or consciousness. It's unskar. Yeah. The imprints are the samskars, and uh, my understanding is that the vasanas are the tendencies that result from it. Okay, we are at 7.27. I see uh, Vidya has raised her hand. So Vidya, go for it. Yeah, I just wanted to add to what all of you said. Um, I really liked how uh, Kishore and Ashish and Alpana and Manu um, explained. And what I wanted to say is it's very similar to how as a mother or father would, you know, hear from uh, children what they are experiencing. And we just are sakshi. We can't do anything. We are... <laughs> we are just there to hear. Um, it's very similar to that is what I feel as uh, Sakshi or Brahman or whatever you can call who is um, witnessing, but at the same time, it, it's the, that, that information is not affecting. It's, it's similar to what I was reading um, on Bhagavad Gita. I think uh, Shloka, chapter four, Shloka 14 or something, um, where you know, he clearly says that, you know, no work affects me, whether you aspire the fruits or do the action. And if, if uh, one understands that truth, which is the Brahman, then, uh, you know, you will understand, you will be not entangled in all these reactions. So um, I just wanted to bring that information. And, and I see that as a mother, when I see my kids um, come up with any information, I see, I, I go back to this shloka and I see as a witness and not get affected so that, you know, there, there, is, there is room to grow and there's room to understand who we are. Right. Uh, Rajesh, if I may just add one more thing, just based on uh, what Vidya just said. Um, like if, if we understand, like if we are able to uh, be that witness, right? And we are able to 
kind of get our uh, mind around what that witness is. That, uh, you know, when, when we look at it as Brahman, it's, it's very abstract. It's very hard to kind of uh, uh, understand it, if you will, right? But then if you are able to see it as uh, the reflected consciousness, at least in the first stage, right? Being able to understand it as a reflected consciousness and then eventually to see that reflected consciousness is nothing but is the same for everybody. And so it cannot be any different than what we are calling as Brahman. So that is the second level of understanding, right? To understand that, that, that to me is the Advaita aspect of it, that there is no two things, but it is the same. But the first level of understanding then would be that, hey, there is this witness, which is different from everything that's happening, uh, the experience, right? And, and then from going from that to that witness being the same as Brahman, right? So uh, in that sense, there's multiple levels of understanding. I think um, it is useful to see our understanding because of what we experience. And, and from that, to understand that there is that witness which is different from what is happening around you, right? The first level of understanding, I would say. I think we'll, we'll continue discussing this at 7.30. My, my only question is like, you know, uh, basically at the end of the day, the desire lineage, what, what uh, uh, the book talks about in page 25, right? The starting from ignorance and all the way to ending to transmigration. I think the question that we need to think about in this, in that particular chart is, if it is not Brahman who is going through that thing, who is it that going through that cycle? Okay, so we'll pause there uh, today, and I think next week we'll continue with the next uh, uh, chapter five, and of course we'll we'll discuss chapter four as well in this book. Chapter five is the uh, error of misapprehension, is what we're going to discuss next week. So with that, uh, let's probably conclude with our uh, concluding prayer. Om Sarve Bhavantu Om Shanti 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 Sri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari Om Thank you so much everyone. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and keep the chat going. Thank you. Thank you.